Hi and welcome along. It's a different podcast today as I wrap up the first three months of this series and head off for a few days off at Easter. So I thought I'd bring you a couple of minutes or so from four of the very early ones in this series. Of course it's been a strange old time and I'm recording this as England's restrictions have been eased and we can now meet up six people in a garden or two families. It's been a tough old time, a tough old winter for many people and of course for the athletes who are looking towards Tokyo this summer. And I was really interested to hear from hockey player and gold medal winner from Rio, Shona McCallin. She'd just had 147 days off with injury when I spoke to her. She's had a few injuries in her time and I wondered if we could learn anything from her when it comes to dealing with the uncertainty of these Covid times and lockdowns. You're right, I do have mental ways to to help and deal with it and I am unfortunately well experienced with injuries. I do think that it's probably helped me. When you're injured something gets taken away from you that you really enjoy and can't do. Now very similar to lockdown for a lot of people whether it be going out of the house to work, seeing friends, family, whatever it is a lot has been taken away from people and with rehab you're always going to have setbacks and you're always going to be disappointed. And that seems to be the case in lockdown quite a lot as well. Extra tea has been added in last minute, Christmas being cancelled, whatever. And in rehab, you have to be pretty flexible in your mindset and have short-term and long-term goals and take things, yeah, sometimes day by day. And that is very much the mindset for me at the moment is day by day, like, COVID does not allow planning in any capacity. I reckon you could probably plan the week ahead. But other than that, you just don't know what's going to happen. You're almost like waiting for the for the next announcement, you know, in the UK, which is it's going to be the 15th of February, I think. And that's that's kind of how we live on a day to day basis in a normal hockey world. You you're waiting for the next selection date. So you you're living your life as best as you can until that selection date. And that's kind of. I guess how we're living at the moment in in lockdown is we're getting on with things but waiting for that next announcement. That's hockey player Shona McCallum. Next, former para swimmer and now para canoeist Charlotte Henshaw, who just had some surgery for endometriosis, relieved to get a diagnosis after many years of pain. I first had symptoms uh, now I know it was symptoms of this. Uh, I would say probably about 7 years ago when I was still swimming and They've over the seven years, the pain has become more frequent and more intense. And it, it, typically, endometriosis takes a long time to to get diagnosed because it it the symptoms that it gives you it are so similar to a lot of other things. And the only way, unfortunately, to diagnose endometriosis is by surgery. And so, obviously, the the doctors go down the route of the less invasive investigations first, which leads them down the route of maybe other things being the cause. So um, it's been a long time and only recently, sort of the last 18 months, has it become so sort of severe at points that, um, you know, I, I really was trying to push for a more specific diagnosis because it was starting to affect my training. So, yeah, very happy to have it. And um, I'm very aware that lots of people have to wait a long time to get that diagnosis. And the condition of endometriosis, it seems to be one of those that, that hasn't really been openly discussed in the past. Uh, and I'm talking to athlete Steph Reed tomorrow, and I know she's big on female athlete health. And I've just mm. listened to a fascinating podcast with Emily Diamond, the, 
the middle distance runner with uh, Martin Rooney and Dan Greaves. And she was talking about research around uh, period pain, periods and contraception particularly. And listening to Steph and Emily, it does feel that science behind especially female athlete health has been neglected. Would you subscribe to that? I think so. I mean, I'm glad that it's becoming a topic that seems to be spoken about a lot more. I've seen over the last 12 months, certainly a a big shift in how much it is talked about within sport, but also in the media. And part of the reason that I was able to to start to realise that perhaps this was um, a female health issue was by starting to track my menstrual cycle. And that only occurred because that those conversations were starting to happen within the elite sport world. So before we were never really encouraged to to monitor our menstrual cycle, which when you think about it, it, it seems silly really, because it's such a big thing that can have an effect on your training. Charlotte Henshaw. Well, back in January, there were few competitions for elite sport, but badminton pair Lauren Smith and Marcus Ellis travelled to Bangkok. And this was the first I'd heard about how life was in a competition bubble. And they spoke to me from their hotel room in the capital of Thailand. Well, normally this time of year, there'd be three separate events in three separate countries. Um, but what they've done to get those events to go ahead, this is our first tournament for months. Um, they've put them all in Bangkok. Um, they've put all of the athletes and a lot of the staff into a bubble. Um, so we're getting tested every three days. We only leave the hotel room for training. Um, and that's about it. Um, you know, the food's delivered to our room. Uh, it's very, very different to what we're not used to. I mean, we could literally be anywhere in the world in a hotel room or a hall. Um, but, you know, it's just good to be back at an event. And hopefully, you know, so far we've had two lots of testing and everybody, I think all 800 people have tested negative twice. Um, so we're certainly safe. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit strange. So it's, it really is a tight bubble then, if you if you like, you're confined to your room. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we didn't really believe that that was going to be the case when we when we came. You know, they did say that you would be quarantined in your room other than for playing badminton. Um, but we just thought, yeah, yeah, like, you know, it probably won't be. But, you know, it really, really is. Uh, you know, we were pretty much chauffeured straight out of the airport onto a bus and we came here, got tested, and up you went to your room. Um, and you weren't allowed to go training until you had that result back. Uh, and just like Lauren said, every, everything is done uh, to precision. And, and to be fair to them, they're doing a really good job. So breakfast in your room, yep. <laughs> lunch, evening meal, everything. How 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 much time do you get out then for for training? We've been having about seventy five minutes on court, seventy five minutes in the gym, and so you know it's less training volume than what we'd be used to. So we've been doing little hit circuits and stuff like that in the hotel room just to kind of top that up. Probably the highlight of the day is the like the minutes that you get to walk the bus uh, especially when you're out and it's sunny 30 degrees and you're just taking it every bit of breath you can it's not even minutes it's seconds no. <laughs> we've had delays haven't we, we had to stand outside for five more minutes and it's really really nice um but yeah I think you know we're quite lucky actually because we're sharing a room um a lot of the other players are in their own rooms so you know the only time they're actually having physical contact um with people is when we're going to training that's marcus ellis and lauren smith and finally to steph reed the paralympic long jumper it was january and we talked about athletes food and diet 
Do you know what it is? It's it's a really complicated one, and and actually, I'm glad you asked because a lot of people um, either talk about it way too much or, or don't want to get into it. You know, the reality of being an athlete is is that your body is your tool. That that's what you use to compete. And and um, for example, I'm I'm a long jumper. I'm a sprinter. There is always always going to be a performance relationship between my power to mass ratio. So if I can be as light as I can, but as strong as I can, I'm going to perform better. And and that can be sometimes an awkward conversation, um, you know, for a coach and an athlete, but it, it's one that you have to have. And I think it, it just, it, it's a case of finding balance and, and having a really open discussion. You know, for example, when I compete, I probably compete um, at a lower weight than I would ever sit during the rest of the year because that wouldn't be healthy. Uh, particularly for females, there's so much more research coming out now that just shows um, there's a huge difference. Well, I feel like we all know this intuitively. There's a huge difference physiologically between men and women, but most of the research that we have has always traditionally been done on men. And so there's a whole new world of research that needs to be done, is being done right now for for females. And I think um, the best advice that you can give or anyone can give is it just goes back to common sense and, and to balance, you know, for a very, very short period of the year. Yes, you have to be really strict and you want to watch what you're eating and, and you do want to shoot for this ideal power to mass ratio. But the rest of the year, it's, it's about being healthy. Because this is the month when, you know, as mere mortals really are, are bombarded with lots of advice on health, eating, in our attempts to sort of shed the pounds. Do you have any sort of sage words that you, you've learned from your uh, elite career that you can pass on to those people who are, you know, pondering what to do in January? Probably the best advice that I was ever given in terms of being an athlete and in terms of food was um, I, I was given a new nutrition plan and, and I was reading through it and, and I, I asked the guy, um, so what am I going to do for snacks? And he looked at me and he said, you don't need snacks. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, if, if you're hungry, you eat a meal. And, and I think it was the first time I, I really started thinking about this idea of snack culture and, and, and reading more into it and, and realizing that we, we actually live in a really, really difficult environment to eat well because everything is geared towards getting us to eat more. And Steph Reed brings to an end this special edition. Just to remind you that I'm making these podcasts to raise money for Maggie's Cancer Centres. And my wife went on a cancer journey, which started in March 2020. And if you're enjoying them and if you fancy tipping me, then two or three pounds, the cost of a cup of coffee would go a long way. If you can go to justgiving.com and search Destination Tokyo or look at the show notes here, it'll tell you how you can make that donation. In the meantime, have a great Easter and see you in a few days time. Bye bye. <laughs>